Ho, 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 ho. On, Merry Christmas. Come on, Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for Days fans, by Days fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is Barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode, as always, is prou- proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop Hen Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and I am joined by, as in each and well, each and every week. It's been a few weeks though, hasn't it, Sim? But it has, mate, it has. my co-host Simo is here with me. Uh, yeah, Christmas special. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a long, uh, long three months away from the game, but yeah, looking forward to chatting some D stuff as a Christmas special and then yeah, launching into hopefully a really successful 2023. Yeah, very, very exciting. No, as you said, it's been, well, we can tell we're out of practice because you rocked up today not bringing an, any equipment whatsoever. So no. we're running off one mic. So we apologize if the sound's a little bit all over the place. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting and yeah, just down to a burger and a bit of a feed beforehand. But yeah, no, it's um, well, a bit of an interesting concept. I've, I've only shared the mic once before and I don't know how it's going to go. But there'll be a lot of um, almost like Beatles duet-like scene in the mic. <laughs> but I oh, know. So I suppose what the idea of today, a little bit of look at the off-season. We haven't been, we haven't been back since sort of the off-season's been. We've had the draft, we've had the trade period. But the AFLW Grand Final, which is really exciting to chat about as well. And then, yeah, having a little bit of a look at uh, heading into, what, pre-season in 2023. But no, as you said, exciting times. The fixture's out, so we can chat a bit about that as well too. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And mind you, branded the burger joint, incredible, <laughs> uh, down in Seville. If you are uh, anywhere near there, I highly recommend trying the burgers. Unreal. There you go, a nice little plug for another local business. Very good. Well, why don't we get started with, yeah, the most successful part of the off-season for the men's, and that really was the uh, yeah amazing feat that was the women's uh, winning their very first premiership. So exciting. It's a, yeah, pretty thrilling last couple of minutes there, watching it hold on. There's a couple of pretty, pretty scary passages that I know, you know, watching that on the replay, I was, you know, had the heart going a little bit. I reckon a couple of really uh, iconic sort of game-saving moments, I think, especially on that half-back line as well too when the Lions are sort of charging. But, no, nah, what, what an amazing feat and which tops off a really successful 18 months for the entire footy club. Yeah, 100%. And you, you look at it from a, from afar. We've had a VFL grand final, an AFL grand final, an AFLW grand final in that space. So, yeah, the footy department's rocking and, you know, it's it's one of those things where, geez, like, you know, we're not... We're not we're, kind of in foreign territory with all this success. So, well, let's just hope that it continues. Um, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, the, the backs were super across the game. I mean, you know, it was, it was an exhilarating last, yeah, last 10 minutes where it was just a nail-biter where there's, you know, there's no goals kicked in the space, but, you know, it was end-to-end stuff. It was, you know, it was great to watch. And, yeah, hopefully the AFL girls um, competition continues to roll on and get better, uh, bigger and better than ever um, as the years to go. Uh, yeah, moving moving up to 2023, it's um, it's one of those one of those things where I mean, 
haven't really thought too much about it, but you know that little lull from the end of the season to the trade period, you're kind of thinking, hmm, what are we going to do here? And you know, a lot of speculation around Luke Jackson and the potential Brody Grundy d- uh, deal to happen, which which did happen. Which, oh, it's <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with this whole thing. So, yeah, looking forward to going through it all. Um, yeah, that's what do you reckon? Just dive into it. Yeah, I reckon. Well, let's let's have a look at the ins and outs, really. So, if you think at the end of the period, let's the total ins there. So, players that arrived at the club or assets, I suppose you say that arrived at the club. So, Brody Grundy, in comes Lockie Hunter and Josh Shackey from the Bulldogs. Uh, in comes pick 13 and 37 in this year's draft, which we'll talk about those players coming forward. And then we've also got a future first and a future second looking at next year's draft. So then we'll look at the outs. Luke Jackson, you mentioned before, he's the big one. Jaden Hunt, Toby Bedford, Sam Wiedemann all found new clubs. And then, yeah, a, a slew of second, third, fourth round picks, um, which, you know, and a couple of future thirds and fourths that have gone out as part of that. But there was certainly a point even maybe be just after the Brody Grundy deal had been done, that it might have felt a little bit unsatisfying the way that the D's had handled the trade period. I think, yeah, I think a few teams are sort of expecting a little bit more. Like I know that the Grundy deal did kind of linger around and took a little bit of time to get done. But at the end, when some of those last-minute deals got done for Hunter and, and Shaki, just purely depth uh, deals, I think, you look at it from a hole. I think it's. I think it's a pretty good hole. What do you reckon? I reckon we've done really well. I. I, I mean, you look at it from afar. I mean, you got Luke Jackson. He's gone out essentially. We've picked up Luke. Uh, Luke Jackson, Brody Grundy, um, a future first and a future second. Like we. Oh, and also the pick that ended up pop popped off um, for this year. So you, if you look at it in hindsight, I think we've done really, really well um, from from what we could have gotten. You know, who knows what what the future's going to hold for the players that we've picked up, um, especially with you know the the rise and the want to see Jacob Van Royen out there to you know to field the to field the Luke Jackson um, role is going to be really interesting to see. And I'm hearing he's doing a lot of ruck craft um, as well um, as as, a, as opposed to his forward craft. So it'll be interesting to know um, how that's going to fit in. But obviously, when you've got the two basically the two best ruckmen in the competition. It's hard to not have one of those guys um, doing the ruck work. But look, who knows what's going to happen. Um, looking at the other players that we've that lost as well, I think Jaden Hunt's one of those ones where you know, he, he, won it, he won us a game against Carlton, really. Him and Melksham were probably the two that really stood out. And you know, just that line-breaking pace is something that we're going to lose and something that's going to be hard to, to feel... Um, but yeah, he's one person I'm very upset to see go. Toby Bedford showcased a bit. Um, obviously, he didn't get much of a crack at it, and he's gone purely for, you know, for more opportunities at GWS. And um, Sam Wiedemann's an interesting one too. I mean, you know, the, the the man that could have been. I mean, you look at 2018, that final series that he played, and I think he's just going to elevate. But I think he peaked. To be honest, he peaked in those two finals. You know, he didn't show up in the third one, but yeah, he definitely peaked and. It'll be interesting to see how he goes at Essendon too. I mean, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I actually hope none of these four blokes, you know, rub it in and become, you know, dominant players. It's something I don't really want to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as we were just talking about at lunch, like I think the Hunt one's going to be a little bit weird and some getting used to seeing him in in those colours there. Toby Bedford, yeah, it's really unfortunate. Like the D's tabled him an offer. From my understanding, I think it was a similar time in terms of like the amount of years. I think it's still a three-year deal. 
GWS have just lost Bobby Hill. They really have that that's that opening, you know, that, that starting forward line spot is is there his for the taking. Uh yeah, look, he was an exciting young player who I think that everyone in the club had really high hopes for and they had, yeah, a, a, a lot of um a lot of faith in him being able to sort of repay all the hard work they've put into him and we saw flashes of that certainly this year as well too when he got his opportunity, but unfortunately yeah, he, he's gone somewhere else where he's going to be probably guaranteed a bit more game time. And Weeds, by the sounds of things, his deal was kind of greenlit as soon as they found a replacement for him, and that replacement was Josh Shackey. So I, I guess like Weeds signing on, was it last year, year before he signed on the extension? Because he was still contracted for this year, sorry, for 2023. But then, yeah, with Josh Shackey coming in, kind of that like-for-like like, uh, trade where they were able to find him a new home at Essendon. And, oh, look, I've got... You know, like he's he's given as much as he can to the club. I've got you know no uh, no ill-fated worries about him um, heading towards a new club and, and a fresh start. I wish him all the best. So look, he, he played some memorable games for the club, and he won't be forgotten for that. So that's all right. Uh, you spoke a little bit about Grundy. I think that's got to be yeah one of the most interesting and. Um, talked about scenarios of 2023. It's all eyes are going to be on what it looks like. They're very excited to play with each other and it sounds like the whole pitch was Max going to Grundy and being like, I want this to happen. Like, this is not just something that's coming from the football department. This is like, we can be a dynamic force here. And it, given that none, neither of them are fantastic goal kickers, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of spread, but they do have certain talents all over the ground. So that'll be interesting to play out. I don't know. What it, I know you said you weren't sure what you envisioned, but surely you're excited at least to see what, this experiment or, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, you, you should, if we get anything like his old Australian year, we're going to be licking our lips. I mean, just, just the thought of, I mean, who knows? I mean, we could sit, you know, we saw Max Gorn, he runs off, you know, he sits a kick behind the footy. I mean, he could be doing that while Grundy's doing all the tap work and just put on an absolute clinic, to be honest. Um, you look at the, even the, the craft of, you know, the Petrarchas and all our clearance players, you know, we get, we get that all up and running and things. Who who knows? The, the sky's the limit of what it can actually look like. It's just a matter of, you know, I was talking to you before. I mean, it could be a slow process to start because obviously you got to give time to gel and things. But yeah, it, it's it's one where I mean, there's a lot of different you know a lot of different views of what it could look like. But I mean, we just have to wait and see. I suppose it's it's, it's yeah, I am excited for it. Yeah. But to, to answer your question, <laughs> uh, I think Lockie Hunter could be a sneaky one that that finds his way into the starting 22. Um, yeah, he's he's had his issues off-field, um, but at the end of the day, he's still a very intelligent ball user, and I think that's one thing we know. It was clearly highlighted last year, our, our, you know, going forward inside 50 and being that, being that sort of, yeah, that connection between the mids and the forwards is something that we were lacking and a, a little bit of polish up. I think he brings that, and I think he might start on the bench, but... He could be somebody that, that really, yeah, tries to have a go at that, you know, spot 21, spot 22 on our list. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there round one, honestly. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, he's he will complement Langdon pretty well. And, you know, we've tried, obviously, Gus and even Spargo at times across the wing, James Harms, you know, it's... Well, obviously, Jimmy Jordan as well. So it's that's a, it's a tough one. But, yeah, he's purely a winger. Um, his ball use is good at going inside. Um... I think he was a pre-season mishap where he absolutely got flattened by someone. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been Viney. I think he got taught a lesson by Jack Viney, I think, in the pre-season. So 
yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he gels with the side, but yeah, I, I reckon you're, you're pretty close to that. I reckon he could be easily into our best 22, if not 23, because there's the... Oh, yeah, the, the new, The new, not... Is it the sub rule? No. Yeah, no, yeah like is. a strategic sub rule yeah. where, um, yeah, I mean, if some Ruckman or some big Gumby bloke is not doing what he should be doing, <laughs> you can get rid of him. Or if you want to go taller on a nice summer day or or sunny day, <coughs> pardon me. Um, yeah, or if you just have to mix it up in the wet or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, how that does transpire. But I definitely think you can get into that best 22, 23. I've forgotten about that rule change. It's, yeah, there's going to be interesting one to see how that plays out with all teams, I suppose, this season. it's It certainly adds another element of strategy into it because you saw teams trying to sort of navigate their way around, you know, finding loopholes and whatnot with players being subbed out but then playing the, the following week and then, you know, seeing it like wet and slippery games where it's going to be, you know, pissing down with rain but then they're bringing, you know, they're going with a smaller forward line. Um, yeah, interesting to see how that sort of plays out. Um, in terms of all the game day stuff, but I think, yeah, now completely nullifying that medical side of things and being strategic sub back when, shit, when were we, now we had 21 players on the, on the field, sorry, 21 active players, and then you had your 22nd player was a, was a uh, sub, when was that? 2016, 15, something like that. Oh, something around, yeah. <laughs> something around that. Uh, yeah, any other things? Josh Shackey, said, like for like, weeds, I don't see him getting a regular game unless for injury prone. But look, he, he proved to have some life with the dogs uh, in, in his short span there. But yeah, I, I think he will be a handy asset to have. Um, probably mostly playing for Casey, but you know, will be there if needed. 100%. And yeah, if we need to mix up our forward line structure, but um, you know, former, former pick two. I mean, obviously he's got the talent there. It's just a matter of getting it out and the right and channeling in the right way. Um, he's even, he's even shown. I think it was twenty. Yeah, it was last year. He played down back against us in the wet, and he, to be honest, took the piss against our forwards. So, but mind you, I mean, our forwards can be pretty easy to play against <laughs> at times. But hopefully, we're going to fix that up with our uh, new. Well, when we'll go through a few player numbers, I think we'll have a bit to say about uh, one that's going to take a pretty, or pretty significant number at the club. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to go first? I don't know. <laughs> Out of practice, but having one mic. We're going to headbutt each other next time. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, 2022 draft. Exciting night for a lot of young prospects coming up. Uh, yeah, GWS having the number one pick going for Cabin. the big forward. Mm. Uh, Aaron Cabin, is that right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dees obviously went in there with pick 13 uh, in the first... In the first round, thanks to the Luke Jackson trade, and yeah, picked up Matt Jefferson. So key forward. So I think if you look, think about the whole draft in itself, Melbourne's gone very much by on a needs basis. They've really drafted not so much the best player, best available player, but some uh, ones to, to suit their needs. And I suppose we we're probably expecting that given when we chatted to Jason Taylor before before the draft and thinking about what they were looking to do. As as he said is kind of replace the outgoings which they kind of knew of at that time. So, yeah, exciting young player from Victoria. Um, yeah, do you know much about him? Like, 
Uh, didn't watch a lot of the carnival stuff, but um, mind you, he had a bag of six, I believe, potentially against WA, I think it might have been. Or oh, seven goal hole, actually, I think it might have been. Put on a clinic. Um, just one of those days where it just you know fell into his lap and, you know, I mean, he worked for it as well, but um, showcases his got ability to hit the scoreboard and I think he does show some nice mobility as well as a tall. Um, he's around the, you know, 195 centimetre mark, which, you know, potentially could grow more um, as an 18-year-old. You never know. Um, especially, I mean, you look at Paddy Cripps, who's drafted like 188, turned out to be 195. So he could be, Shit. you know, he could be yeah. absolutely anything. Um, I mean, mind you, I mean, there's that, um, what's his name? The St Kilda draft pick, the pick 10, the Matthias or whatever his name is. Mm. Um, he's he's the same. I mean, they're saying we 17. I think he was 17 when he got drafted. Um, but yeah, he's the same. He's a tall midfielder that could grow. But hopefully we get um, some meat on the bones of Matty Jefferson because... Well, you look. You've got Ben Brown. You've got Tom McDonald um, as players that we need to, you know, to replenish. Or because obviously they've, I mean, both both pretty much thirty, I think, I believe now. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've probably only got one or two more years left of good footy. And you know, having having this bloke play under him, I think um, he can learn the trait pretty well. And yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him? I mean, hopefully it's a, you know, a bit of a better story than our last. You know, key forward that we drafted. I mean, obviously, we've got another one that's sort of waiting in the wings. But, you know, you look at Sam Wiedemann, who went pick nine or ten, I think. Pick um, nine. Pick nine, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've drafted another key forward, like you said. Needs basis. Um, yeah, just replenishing the tall stocks um, up forward. But looking at our next pick, mate, Jed Adams. Um, bit of a draft bolter. Um, don't know. I mean, don't really know much about most of the later picks and everything. But... Yeah, Jed Adams mostly played down in defence. Um, I believe he went forward on, on multiple occasions. But, yeah, purely, purely as a defender. And, you know, he kind of reminds me of, you know, when we when we picked up Petty. I mean, Petty was probably another one of those players that, you know, that kind of went not really under the radar. But, you know, he went pick around the 50s. But if we can get, you know, him working in tandem and if we can develop Jed, Anders, or Jed Adams into someone that can... You know, fill the void for, you know, I mean, Lever's only 25, 26, but looking at Stephen May hitting 30 now. So, yeah, another player that can learn off some really good key position players. And I think pretty pretty much everywhere we've drafted has got some really solid um, learnings to go through. I mean, the next player, which we, you can um, share about, I mean, he's got the best thing to, to learn off. And, yeah, no, nah, Jed Adams, what do you know? What are you looking forward to about him? Oh, look, I don't know much about him. He uh, said, like, it's, it'd just be interesting to see, yeah, how he sort of slots in. And I think, and said, they've really gone key position this draft. And um, so, like, with their forwards, backs, and then looking ahead in the ruck department as well, too. So, I think, as you mentioned, they've got, you know, almost top-tier talent there to be mentors throughout their, you know, the start of their AFL journey. So, you couldn't ask for better players to be learning off. And I think you just touched it and hit the nail on the head really with, with Harry Petty, who we've seen the emergence of down back, you know, over the last couple of years, especially last season. And yeah, to think that how much, I suppose, from a talent perspective, I think the, the players and the club always knew what his potential would be. But I think just the IQ of him, I think is certainly something that that leadership coming from Salem, from May, from Levo is certainly something that rubs off. So, 
for instance, to hopefully see more of that transpose onto somebody like Jed Adams will be will be really exciting to see. But also just having that quality of depth there as well too as they make their way through the AFL system and get a bit more size and experience. So no, very exciting. We talked. I just mentioned then that yeah, looking ahead to the ruck. So uh, the next, well, looking to the rookie draft now, um, and Will Verrill. I think I'm saying that right. But yeah, coming from uh, South Australia, but 199 centimetre ruckman. Certainly something that we desperately needed um, as a backup. Like we were depleted last year when, you know, like not having really any sort of solid backup ruckman behind us. You had, I still remember that, that game where we had no Jackson and no Gorn and we had, um, who was it? Uh, Mitch Brown and, and Sam Wiedemann as our ruckman for the, you know, Majak Dorr retired midway through the season. Um, I mean, Casey brought back Jake Spencer after not playing for five, for four or five years, you know, like to, to play ruck. So they certainly addressed that need there. Again, you mentioned it before, the best of the best to learn off. Um, very, very exciting. Very, very exciting to see. And yeah, hopefully you can kind of just continue to, um, to take everything, be a sponge and soak up all the talent and uh, all the knowledge that uh, Max and Brody have to offer. 100%, and he's in a very similar mould to Brody Grundy too. I mean, Grundy's about the same height, and he has, she has. I think he, I think he said in his interview that he's, he models his game around Brody Grundy. So, yeah, we've got a, a clone. Um, if he can be anywhere near 50% of what Brody Grundy is, that'd be a huge win for us. Um, you know, potential future ruckman. You never know. It's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, anything can go. And just as you get drafted, it's all about, you know, adapting to the. AFL lifestyle and yeah, putting your best foot forward. Next player um, comes in pick 28 of the draft, uh, rookie draft that is, and that's uh, young Oliver Seaston. Now, hopefully, I've said that right as well. But um, bit of a bit of a, another bolter player that's sort of launched into. Uh, I mean, read, I mean, reading about this, he had no idea who was going to get picked up. He's just flew under the radar. But um, bit of a mid-sized forward, um, mid mid to small-sized forward that can. Yeah, almost be like, I mean, it's, he's kind of in the Fritch sort of height range, I'd say. Um, but yeah, has huge ability to kick goals. Um, yeah, showcases, you know, some, some good speed. And yeah, who knows what we're going to get from this bloke. Good depth again. It comes from Mansfield as well, too. Nice little uh, country town, country footy boy uh, from Xavier as well, too. So no, it'd be interesting to see what he brings as well, too. But just that added depth. Um, and not so much for the draft, but I guess... Category B rookie, we signed Kai Farris White, I think ex basketballer. So, again, another one of those sort of big boy, yeah. So, hopefully, maybe to see, uh, well, at least him get some action at a Casey level, at a VFL level, anyway, and just sort of see what sort of prospect there. Um, basketball background was that the second most used um, term in AFL commentating ever, but we now boast what I oh, know who's oh, Petrarca, obviously. I think Brody Grundy didn't come from a basketball background. Did he? I, th- I think I was he, just thinking. I, think I just had in my I mind. mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't. Um, I have to look into. That. I actually, de- I think he actually might be. Yeah, I think okay. he. I think he did pick up footy later, Brody Grundy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I remember reading something about when he got drafted um, that he had the he had the basketball background. But I mean, we'll look into that. Mm. Um, next thing, player numbers. Um, something pretty. I didn't think this would actually happen. I thought Jones Jones's jumper was. Yeah, probably not going to get retired. warm. I'll probably yeah. retired. I mean, obviously, like like the looks of you know the past players to wear as well, Robbie Flower, etc. Um, but Jacob Van Royen's the first one, number two. Uh, big shoes to fill, but there's so much. I mean, 
so not only expectations, but there's so much excitement around this bloke. And gee, I hope we just we just wrap him up and just don't let him leave because I mean we saw with Jackson what he produced. But yeah, if we can have Jacob Van Royen for ten plus years, how good that how good is that going to be? He did resign, didn't he? He did resign to no, he did. That was another bloke. That was Blake Howe. I know Blake no, no, Howe's no, no. Blake Howe's resigned. We'll hang on, hang on. Let's have to do some sure. digging. Um, do we want to entertain everyone while I'm looking stuff? Yeah, I'm gonna just do a wrap for you. No. He did resign. There you go. Third of November. Okay, there you go. Clarification. So he did. <laughs> so he did. Re-sign. Um, to the end of 2025. End of 2025. So we've got both both Howes and also Van Royen that did sign on. So that's that's huge. Um, yeah. I probably should have kept up to date <laughs> with that more. Hey? hey, I probably should have kept more up to date with that to know that. But uh, anyway. On you. Yeah, there you go. Just, well, just not just, for how long. Yep, or just, I was going to say. <laughs> yes, just needed some clarification. Uh, next one. Uh, Luke Jackson's out with a six. Brody Grundy comes in. Um, so downgraded from his no upgraded from his number at Collingwood, which was number which was four, what? number four at Collingwood. Yeah, now he's gone up to six. Lockie Hunter to number twelve, formerly known as a, from the star Dom Tyson. A bit of throwback or <laughs> no, rest in peace, Colin Sylvia. Uh, that's war number twelve. Toby Bedford and Todd Viney was twelve, wasn't he as well? Todd Viney was twelve. So yeah, but pretty big shoes. Recently, most recently worn by Bedford. Bedford. Yeah. yeah. Next one, Josh Shackey. Ned. Number nineteen, whom who most recently? I know Mitchie Hannon wore nineteen, but right. did anyone wear it recently? <laughs> Not that I can recall on. Yeah, so anyway. Oh, twenty-one, Matt Jefferson. Oh no, that was Adam. Oh, it was Adam Marrick, maybe number seventeen. Do you remember him? <laughs> Adam Marrick. Adam Marrick. We're going around. back two thousand and seven, oh. two thousand. Yeah, we're going back a fair bit. Matty That's Jefferson takes takes on uh, Jacob Van Royen's twenty-one. Well, Cam Pedersen's twenty-one, don't you mean? Oh, <laughs> go on. Uh, oh no, it wasn't hero. one of the Phoebe boys, 21? Yeah, they were 21 and 22. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There you go, no, Shane Wobbin was 22. Yeah. Uh, next one, Jed Adams takes the Sam Wiedemann number of 26. Uh, Will Verrill takes uh, old mate uh, Joel McDonald's 28. Uh, Joel Smith takes on his dad's number 29. Now hopefully Joel Smith gets back to, yeah, gets his body right because he could be absolutely anything as a swingman. Um, another good depth player, but... I mean, it's hard for him to find a spot in the side. That's the only problem. Uh, Oliver Seaston picks up 38, and Kaya Farris-White picks up 43. Now, when I saw this name, I was like, hmm, I wonder if he has any relation to Jeff White. But I suppose Jeff White's son, I'm hoping, which I think actually has the same name um, as Kaya, I believe. I have to do yeah, some digging is, no, there. I think it might that. be. That's yeah. why I was like, hmm, hang on a second. Um, but yeah. Uh, Kyle Farris White rounds out 43. James Harms is old number. Well, yeah, that's. I was just thinking about that because uh, we had this discussion, friend oh, of the guy, podcast, guy with Guy Rigoni. I think that was one of his questions: was it the last player to wear number 43? But no one had worn it for a few years. Um, I think Harmsy was the last one in about 2018 or something before he moved to what's his number? Um, yeah, so there you go. Well, that's a, that's all the players' numbers. Um, looking at like. Obviously, players went back for a couple of weeks prior to Christmas, to the Christmas break, pre-season training. You talked a bit of hype about the JVR, and it seems like that even on the training track, he's just blowing the players away, and all the young players are really sort of setting the bar and high expectations from hitting the ground running, really impressing all the coaches and all the current players as well too. Uh, 
super exciting. Spargo was talking about it, that JVR has certainly been the highlight. Um, it's talked about how professional all the young players and the first-year players have been coming into the club, but pretty exciting to see that this player who... You don't want to don't want to peg him as the answer. You don't want that added pressure and that expectation from supporters. But we know how how exciting and how um, you know potentially game changing it could be up in the forward line. Um, it is it is uh, it is close. I mean, even Goody said towards the end of you know this previous campaign, like he was close. He was close to making a debut in the final series. So. No, very, very exciting to see uh, what, what he brings over the summer. And, and it sounds like he's packed on a bit of size too, which is obviously what you need to, to compete with those uh, big bodies down there. 100%. And look, the biggest thing about Van Royen is, I mean, does he have a nickname? Rue? Rue, maybe? Who knows? Um, but yeah, he's he's one that I'm super excited. And I think we'll, we'll definitely call him for it. Even even in the preseason, I was like, this guy could debut this year. Like, you know, with, with the... You know, their forward line still not clicking. I, I just wished we gave him a, a sniff. But it's, it's pretty risky bringing in a key forward um, to debut in the final series, which, I mean, could have looked really good, but it also could have looked really bad. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, he's, he's had a great year of VFL level. He's, he's been able to, to learn off, you know, some really good forwards. And also when he's done the, the train drills, he's, you know, he's had, like Stephen May and Jake Lever, you know, botting up with him. Like he's... He showcases his innate, and he can compete against those players. So, um, yeah, can only put him in the right mood, uh, right mould for, for AFL footy. And like you say, if he's put on some size, I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's exciting times, really. Mm. Uh, and it makes it really hard, too, with Ben Brown, Tom McDonald, etc. Because, I mean, what's, what's that going to look like? I mean, Ben Brown probably have a delayed start. I reckon he probably will be out for the first at least month. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Ben Brown? Because... You know, with the if he emerges big time, Van Royen, Ben Brown could be stuck in the VFL. Yeah, and look, honestly, I, I don't see an issue with that. I think that he's he's come and he's played his part. He's won a flag the first year he joined. Um, you know, like he's not he's not old for a forward. What he'd be turning thirty this year, or he was yeah, because he was twenty eight when he came to the club. So this looking at year three. So yeah, look, no doubt you see the probably the passing of the torch potentially in that space and. And it'd be interesting to see, like, maybe sitting, what our record's sitting at after the first five rounds of next year, you know, where, where, they're, where they're going. I think you'll have a bit of pretty good indication because I think they won't have too much time to, to play around with too many things. Like, for instance, if our forward line with the current setup isn't working, then they've, you know, you've got to make changes. If, if they're staring down the barrel at, at zip and three or zip and four after the first four games um, and it's been from a lack of scoring, then, uh, yeah. They've certainly got to do something to shake it up there, but I think everyone's waiting for the number two to get debuted, no doubt. Very, very exciting. Um, Trent Burgoyne, son of Peter, isn't it? Uh, training with the club, which is exciting. Let's see uh, what sort of opportunities that might arise for him. Um, but yeah, as of pre-season stuff, I think that's that's about that's it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I've seen too is Cosy Pickett's put on some size, which could mean... Yeah, a bit more of that Surioli sort of style of play, you know, real like a lot more set of bounces we saw at, you know, at start of games, um, you know, here and there as well. So I just imagine Cozzy zipping around the uh, center or center bounce a little bit more um, as an impact player. That's gonna be, that's gonna be pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it definitely looks like a different player. Um, who knows? Who knows what's what's gonna transpire from that? Hey. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely big things, big things. Um, it's not overly exciting, but I suppose it's it's pretty pleasing to see from a club perspective. Just the the entire club reporting their um, their financial position at the end of year 2022, uh, which is you know an operating profit of 3.5 mil, which is nearly two thirds increase on the previous year, which is amazing. So. For the club to be in the best financial position it's ever been in um, is, yeah, to think where we were like 10 years ago, it's such a credit to the whole, you know, the whole club, all the, you know, all the operating staff behind that to, to get it into a position. You know, we sold off the pokies and stuff and everyone's all, all done that since then. But, um, yeah, like Gary Pert, all of that football department have done a tremendous job to get the club back in the black and, and not being, um, you know, not I suppose not finding shortcuts or any way around it. So that's really promising, I suppose, as a member's point of view as well too, to see that they're making the right business decisions so they can provide the best, I suppose, you know, best facilities, best things for, for the football club and all the players that come into it. So that's that's really exciting. And, and hopefully as well, we see the growth of the membership as well in seeing more members join, you know, the records continue to be broken. So we want to, we want to continue to see that tick over to becoming, you know, one of the biggest clubs in Victoria, which, you know, historically we are in terms of the oldest club, but we would love to be up there um, with one of the biggest membership bases as well too. So hopefully that's all just a bit of a flow-on effect for that. 100%. And I'm just hoping that our members get a little bit louder. I mean, we called, we called upon this. We called upon this multiple times in the final series and we want people to fear. Like, I mean, you look at Collingwood, you look at the Richmonds, Carlton, they're amazingly loud. And if we can get to that standpoint, how good would that be to be, you know, at those games? I mean, getting some more asses in the seats, which would be good. Um, but yeah, just making it an absolute fortress, which is probably a nice little segue to get into the 2023 fixture. And I'm excited. We played Carlton twice for the first time in Al and I's relationship. Um, you know, heading into almost being together for six years and being starved of seeing us beat Carlton twice. We haven't lost to him, mind you, in our relationship. I should, I should. Touch board here because, yeah. um, you know, Kelton's probably one of those sides that can, you know, probably make that step. Um, obviously, just missing on the eight, but then, you know, could push top four. But I think this year's going to be, sorry, next year is going to be one of the t- more tighter seasons. I mean, th- you thought this season was tight. Wait for the next season. It's, yeah, I sort of really didn't have a good hard look about who we sort of play twice. But I think I was just chatting to you before. The first three rounds, I think, are pretty will be pretty telling for us about how we stack up against some pretty decent sides. Now, the Dogs, round one, grand final rematch from two years ago. Interesting to see what happens there. The Dogs have just been all over the shop since 2021, and I think it's flown under the radar a little bit. I think they've gotten away with it, being mediocre for for such a long time. Well, I don't say such a long time, but you know, both after both grand final appearances, one premiership in 16 and then a grand final appearance in 2021. They've really kind of taken a nosedive and I think Beveridge just signed a, re-signed a new deal as well too. But yeah, interesting to see which Western Bulldogs turns up round one 2023 because they've been, I think from a neutral, perspe- a neutral perspective, they've been a disappointing football club. I reckon they definitely have. I mean, you've, you've got I mean an amazing midfield which... I mean, doesn't always transfer to, you know, massive scores, but I reckon the Bulldogs will definitely improve next year. I think, 
they're a side that you know they got some really really strong key position players that have, they've just brought in as well um and the emergence potentially of their young stars like i mean obviously norton's a gun already at 21 22 um you know sam darcy mm-hmm. sam darcy's so luke darcy's yeah. son's another one that showcased a bit towards the end of the year but Jamara. Yeah, Jamara as well, which, you know, took the piss against us when they beat us, <laughs> which was a bit annoying. Yeah. But, yeah, you look at those, um, that start to the season, the first four rounds, or even, like you said, the first three, is it's going to tell a fair bit of where we're at um, in terms against those big clubs. I mean, Brisbane have gotten better. Um, Sydney are going to be hurting from their loss in the grand final. Um, they're going to be thereabouts again. I think they're just, that young core they've got are just going to get better and they're going to learn from their experience. Um, but, yeah, we played Brisbane and Sydney twice. Um Play, we play Brisbane at the Gabba um, round two, um, which would be a pretty big game. Um, I think we're going to get a bit of, you know, bit back after they knocked us off at the G. Um, but then Sydney um, to finish up the, the fixture, um, 24 rounds, 23 games instead of the 22. So obviously it would be a reduced um, pre-season. But the early start, what's it? Um, it'll be the 16th. 16th of March is the first game of the season, which is it's pretty quick, isn't pretty it? Early. Pretty yeah. early. So... Looking at like the first ten rounds, and you just talked about the first three games there. After so after the Sydney game, round four we play West Coast over in Optus, um, Essendon in Adelaide in the gather round. The what do you call it? Be Magic amazing round for and, Adelaide football. Yeah, that's right. They they uh, won the sweepstakes with that. Uh, Richmond round six, North round seven, Gold Coast round eight, Hawthorne round nine, and Port Adelaide round ten. If I'm looking at round ten as a pass mark. Is seven and three too ambitious? Like, I'm like that's that's factoring in maybe a loss to Brisbane, maybe a loss to Sydney, and then it could be either the Port Rich, Adelaide. Richmond, Richmond's another one. <laughs> I reckon Richmond's another side that we're going to be worried about because yeah. they're going to well, you know, they've they've bolstered their midfield. Um, I mean, probably I reckon their defence is a bit skinny. It's probably the only area that they really lack in. I mean, they got the old timers up forward, but you know, just still have Lynch and Rewalt running around. Um, they're going to cause some headaches. But yeah, the the additions of Hopper and Taranto will make it a bit difficult. But yeah, looking at the fixture, what do we what do we got there? We have got four four interstate games, or five interstate games in the first first ten rounds, which is going to you know make it a bit you know a bit challenging at times. But our our back half of the year is is Victoria Central. Um, you know, we only we only venture to I mean we venture out against GWS, believe it or not, to uh, to Alice Springs, and we've got you know North at Tassie, um, you know, to round out from even oh from round ten onwards. I mean Geelong and Geelong obviously is going to be a real hard game, but we're going to be oh SCG last round, but we're going to be absolutely loving that second half of the year, um, plenty of chance to get to the G and yeah to really make it a fortress again and. Yeah, hopefully we see uh, what we did in that final series um, last year um, in person because, you know, it's something that we were hoping to see and, um, you know, obviously it didn't eventuate. We just didn't hit form at the right time. But let's just hope it it's different next year and, um, yeah, we can really springboard and, you know, plan our assault because I think we pretty much had a Richmond season of it's a 20, 2018 where Richmond had that... Yeah, period where they got knocked After off by the Pies in the prelim. Um, in the prelim, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, we might have got a little bit ahead of ourselves, and you know, obviously the off-field stuff and the Luke Jackson thing. I think we just, you know, had too many things going on, which we underplayed it a little bit, and yeah, hopefully we have a clean slate and we, yeah, we launch next year. Yeah, no, no, I think that's all in the past now. Like they, 
I think the biggest thing, like they know what it takes, and they, I think they would be the first to admit that they took the foot off the pedal a little bit last year, and and that sense of urgency wasn't quite there. Not to mention, you know, injuries a bit banged up, like Max wasn't at his best and playing through injuries and whatnot. So you know, Petrarca playing with a broken leg, like it just, you know, not making excuses, but there were certainly uh, factors that. Um, that had an impact on our result. It wasn't the be-all and end-all, but no, as you said, I think they will be all ready ready to go. Um, as you said, start of March or early March, which is, yeah, very, very early for, for the season, a long season. It's nice to see as we've got a few more uh, Saturday after, or, you know, afternoon games. Like last year, we played predominantly at night time, which is great for being at home, but then like, there's nothing better than watching the footy on like a Saturday afternoon at the G. You know, having a few beers and then going home and getting to bed at a decent time because... Like 7.50, 8.10 starts. Like, it's just, you know, getting home at midnight. I don't know. I'm too old for this shit, man. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're lucky. You're lucky. I, I hate I hate the Saturday afternoons. I miss them all. Nah. Well, sun, Sunday afternoons then. The Sundays. Know. Oh, perfect. I mean, I look at, I pencil in round three. That's going to be unreal against the Swannies. You know, hopefully a nice, you know, nice autumn's day being April the 2nd. Um, yeah, I reckon that, that's, that's a big one that we'll look forward to and, yeah, I mean, a lot of the other games are pretty much Saturdays, which is a shame because I miss them all. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, I don't know, maybe you get injured. No, nah, you won't get injured. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. 28, I'm getting on a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that, mind you, there's a lot of 4.30 games that are popping up there. We've got Gold Coast, Hawthorne. Mm. Yeah, just yeah, floating about. Who knows? Well, you got the floating fixture that's going to happen after, what is it, rounds... Round seventeen onwards, which you know the last seven rounds could be you know it could be anything really, and we yeah round el- round eleven, Freo comes to the MCG. Oh, How much rip through Luke Jack? Yeah, booze every time he touches the ball. Oh, Do you think? Look, uh, look. To be fair, I mean, look, he did win us a flag. I mean, there's a, a little bit, but yeah, also it's moving gonna, home. Yeah. It's been th- three years at the club, and then you know nicks off. It won't be. It won't quite be, be the Tom more. Scully. Money bags. Oh, no, 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 no one will be bringing money bags to to the G, oh, will they? Oh, I think a few people might. <sighs> I think a few people. Well, look, look at the other games that we're really looking forward to. Mm. I mean, obviously the Queen's birthday. Oh, sorry, not Queen's. Oh, Queen's birthday. Yes, and I, we definitely owe Collingwood after last year. Oh, this year, sorry. Oh, Those uh, two close after, losses. I'm just. Well, after the last what, five uh, years. Don't even get me started. <laughs> we, we need to win one back. Yeah. Um, we got the Wood over Richmond, which is nice in the uh, Anzac Day Eve game, which is personally my favourite game of the year. Um, it's always a, a family occasion, which is awesome. Um, and like I said before, the Kelton, the Kelton double up, which is going to be fun. And mind you, we played North Melbourne twice, which is mm. exciting. Um, and yeah, a lot of the fixtures are saying that you know we've probably got the better end of the stick in terms of who we play twice, which would be um, quite pleasing. And yeah, let's just. Hope it launches into um, yeah, getting, us getting back to our best and yeah, making the MCG uh, a fortress for us again. All right. Sorry, I wanted to quickly search. I know Demonland did... They put up a post about um, the record for Melbourne playing Geelong down at Skilled Stadium and how many years... Oh, where is it? Where is it? It's something stupid. Like, we haven't played... Geelong, like we've played them down there for X amount of years. It's like ridiculous. Oh, here we go. Most games at Condinian Park in the AFL era. So from 1999 to 2023, Melbourne, 25. That doesn't make sense. Well, last year we played them at the MCG in like round three or something, wasn't it? 
Oh, and then we went down. Do we go back down there a second time? I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. Look at the record. You can share that. Yeah, <laughs> the win-loss record. So this is thanks to Demonland. Um, three wins, 20 losses, and one draw. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the win, the Max Gorn emergence game, which that, we'll that never, the, ever forget. Was that the Corey Enright 300? That was... 2016? 15? Potentially. That was, that was easily... Oh, that, that win was something else, wasn't it? I mean, can you imagine going down to that place and knocking off someone, one of their stalwarts of their club, Corey Enright, 300th game, and you knock them off. That's, yeah, it's unheard of. That's wild. But, anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's probably, probably it. Probably it. For probably a, it. Christmas for 20, special. For 2022, <laughs> we're wrapping it up there. And, yep. Yeah, we'll be back in 2023, ready to launch into, yeah, hopefully is what a, oh, a season where we're able to, to be crowned the champions again, and that's the, uh, you know, we'll be coming with you every or riding that roller coaster ride every week, and um, yeah, hopefully get to a few more games and um, yeah, have a bit of fun while we do it. Yeah, maybe you'll remember your microphone next time. Uh, yep, probably, <laughs> probably could be the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's been a massive year. Um, big thanks to our listeners, our sponsors, Hop End Brewing, Valley Electrical Group. Um, yeah, you, all your hard work, mate. I think we did. We do the thanks last episode. I can't, it's been so long. Ago. I think so. I think we did, but I anyway, so. you cried, you cried. <laughs> uh, but I suppose, yeah, most importantly, I hope everybody has a very safe and happy Christmas. Um, hopefully, everyone's having a bit of time off and relaxing and, and yeah, not thinking too much about work or even footy at, at that point, even though there's some um, very exciting things on the horizon. Yeah. But hopefully, getting wrapped up in Melbourne merch, which would be pretty awesome to see that red and blue floating around next year. So, yeah, fingers crossed that you've uh, asked Santa for, for more Melbourne merch because uh, there's a lot of discounts going on, uh, <laughs> which is say. awesome. Um, of <laughs> all the grand premiership. Merch. Yeah. yeah, still some premiership merch up for sale, and I, I scored a few, few extra things. Uh, yeah, some, I think I bought Harper like three hoodies of the same size. Uh, sorry, of the different sizes of the same hoodie, and they were like ten bucks or something. So yeah, down from like fifty. So yeah. Anyway, thanks again. Uh, yeah, happy New Year's. Enjoy Christmas, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. Most of all, what most you mean most importantly? Sorry, most importantly. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Go to these. These.